This is the Legacy United Methodist Podcast. Good morning. Oh man, you're asleep already. Good morning. I was surprised to see these rugs up here. I feel like I'm at a Crosby, Stills, and Nash concert. I should take my shoes off and be barefoot. Oh, you're not that old, are you? (laughs) Uh, I will be on staff here officially August 1st. And so my first two Sundays in August that I'll be here officially, I'll be preaching at McCabe. (laughs) True. (laughs) So uh, on August 21st, I believe it is, there's going to be a meet and greet between services out in the fellowship hall or that long hallway where we always sit. And um, at that time, you can ask me questions. I'll have a few things that'll tell you a little bit more about me. And I guess we'll have some fun interactive things that'll help you get to know me and I will get to know you. So for those of you who don't know, this is my second time round here. I, used, I was here back on 11th Street and was here when the building was first built, but then was sent to the wilds of North Dakota. And now I'm back. So, and it's good to be back. We are in a series now called Finding Hope Again, and it is the the story of Ruth. We're in the book of Ruth, but it's the story of Ruth and Naomi, and it is actually a story very much based in grief. Uh, Two Sundays ago, I started this series with you, and the very beginning of the book sets out plainly that Naomi's, Naomi and her two sons moved to Moab because of a drought. And then while there, her sons married Moabite wives, settled down, and then Naomi's husband died, which was okay because she had two boys to take care of her. Because in that culture, women had no status, they had no power, they had nothing. And so, it was up to the boys to take care of their mother, but then the two boys died. It's so now three women, Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah, had nothing. They had no one. That was the culture of the time. And so Naomi was going to go back to her home, back to the area where she was from, and she was distraught. She wanted to go back to where there were family and friends. And she insisted that these two Moabite women that had married her son stay because they had futures. They could marry. Why don't you stay? And so Orpah did. But Naomi, uh, excuse me, Ruth pledged to go wherever Naomi went. Wherever Naomi went, Ruth was going to go. So this Moabite woman went back to a foreign land with Naomi, and they arrived in Bethlehem. And when they arrived there, all of the, the, the relatives and everyone there was all excited. They were happy to see Naomi back again and asked, you know, what happened to your husband? What happened to the boys? And Naomi was quite sad. She said, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara, because I am in pain. And she stayed there in pain. And Naomi, excuse me, Ruth was in grief also, but Ruth's path in grief was slightly different than Naomi's path. 
Naomi wanted to stay in her grief. She didn't want to move. But Ruth did. We pick up the story, for those of you who brought your Bibles, and if you didn't, I assume you've memorized it, in Ruth chapter 2, and we're just going to look at the first three verses. I'm just going to give you a taste of what's to come. Now, Naomi had a respected relative, a man of worth, through her husband from the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go into the field so that I can glean among the ears of grain behind someone whose eyes I might find favor. Naomi replied to her, go, my daughter. She went, she arrived, and she gleaned in the field behind the harvesters. By chance, it happened to be the portion of the field that belonged to Boaz, who was from the family of Elimelech. All right. First off, I feel a little bit cheated because I don't get to tell you the amazing rest of the story. Because in order to get to that spot, we need to find out where Naomi is in her grief and where Ruth is in her grief. Okay? This is, this is an amazing story. Now, if you remember, if you were here two weeks ago, uh, two Sundays ago, I talked about uh, grief and that God does not cause the tragedies in our lives. God did not cause Naomi's husband and two sons to die. But God promises, in Romans 8.28, God promises that he will bring something good out of it. He doesn't cause the bad. He doesn't cause the death. And you remember the story that I told? I'll give you a little bop if you try to argue with me. Because then you're going to tell me that all of my family who have died, who have passed on, was God's fault. And you better be ready, because I am. God doesn't cause that, but he promises to make something good of it. What happens next, so you'll have to come back next week, what happens next is God making good on that promise. God does make something good come of this. In, in the verse where it had said that by chance it happened to be that that portion of field belonged to Boaz, by chance, my foot this is God beginning, this is God beginning, this is God beginning to make something good out of a very bad situation. But in order, to, in order to take joy in that, we cannot skip over the process of grief. We cannot skip over how we got here. Grief sometimes is a bit like a bit like a school dance. Now, some, some of you have been to a school dance, whether that's junior high, that dates me, middle school, or high school, or you've seen it, surely you've seen it in a movie or read a book, right? It's the gymnasium, and it's decorated, and the lights are dim, and there's chairs along the walls, right? And there's like two couples dancing, and everyone else is in those chairs along the walls. And usually there's the guys are on one side and the girls are the other. And the music is playing, but nobody's really dancing because they're embarrassed. They're self-conscious. You're a teenager, right? You're a junior high. The hormones are going and you're just, a, you don't want to get up and dance because you might embarrass yourself. Our grief is very much like a high school dance. Um, 
Naomi, Ruth, Ruth was in her grief. And so when she started to dance in her grief, it was very much a slow song. And in the music of our grief is the Holy Spirit. And as we move slowly, as we move slowly to this music in our grief, the Holy Spirit's peace and healing comes to us and fills us. You see, in the music, in the rhythm of who we are, the Holy Spirit is there bringing healing and peace. The very God that created music, the very God whose presence is in music, brings healing and hope in our grief. And you know this to be true. This isn't a weird thing, okay? How many of you have ever been to a, a wedding dance and sent a toddler out? What happens when a song like this comes on? Right? This toddler starts moving. Why does the toddler move? To the rhythm that is inside them. They react to the rhythm. And young kids react to that music because there's no inhibition there. They're not conscious of, did you guys start moving? Yeah, you started moving, didn't they? There's no consciousness of what other people think. They're not worried about what other people think of them. They hear that rhythm because God created the rhythm. God created the music, and they just start moving. And what do we do? We smile, we laugh. Nowadays, we record them and put it on Facebook. And it's a joy to watch that. It's a joy to watch that, not because they're moving, but because we are jealous of their freedom to move without being concerned what anybody else thinks of them. The Holy Spirit is in the music of our grief. And so when we move to that slow rhythm of grief and we continue to stay within that rhythm, the Holy Spirit brings healing. The Holy Spirit brings wholeness, brings healing to our grief and to our sorrows. And it is okay to be in this place of grief. That's where Naomi was. Excuse me, that's where Ruth was. Ruth was moving. Naomi was in a completely different place. She sat down. The rhythm of the Holy Spirit was moving, wanting to bring her healing and wholeness and peace. But she wanted to stay in her grief. She refused to move. She did not want to move on in her grief. So she, so she sat down, just like at the school dance, where the kids on either side, they don't want to dance. They refuse to participate. That is where Naomi was. She refused to move, but not Ruth. Ruth was heard the call of God to move on. You see, in the rhythm of our faith and healing through grief, God wants to move us 
on, wants us to dance a little bit more. And so Ruth heard the change in rhythm. She heard the change in rhythm. And she decided to go out in the field to do something different. She decided to move on. Because the same Holy Spirit that is in the rhythm of the slow dance of our grief is the same Holy Spirit that is in the rhythm of the dance that moves us on in our grief and in our life. Ruth, move forward. And I could just hear when Ruth said, I'm going to go out to the field and glean to see if someone I might find favor. And Naomi said, whatever, go Go do what you feel is right. She stayed on the chair of her grief. So Ruth went out, and she started to glean in the fields. Now, it was Jewish law that whenever the harvesters would come and harvest the field, by law, they had to leave some of the grain behind for those who were less fortunate, for those who could not afford, for the women and the widows who had no husbands, they were supposed to not take all of the grain so they had something to eat. It was ingrained in the Jewish law that we take care of those who, are, who have misfortune. We are supposed to care and take care of those people. And so Naomi went out. Excuse me, Ruth went out. I don't know why I keep saying that. Ruth went out gather up what was left. And she ended up in the field of Boaz, which I would love to tell you more, but I can't because I'll steal the next person's thunder. Ruth went from that slow dirge dance and she moved, she allowed the Holy Spirit to lead and to move her to the next step, something a little faster, something that sounded a little bit more exciting, and helped to move her to that spot. And in our grief, maybe we have been in the place of Naomi, where we did not want to move. Or maybe we know someone who did not want to move. And yet the the music still plays. God's grace is still there calling us to move on. And as I said two weeks ago, sometimes that slow song comes back on and it's okay. It's all right. As long as we keep moving to the rhythm of God. Now, where God is going to take Ruth, where God is going to take Ruth is to the point of where the child is at the dance. That is our goal as believers, to get to the point in our relationship with him where we dance. We dance like a child, like a toddler at a wedding dance without any type of inhibition. That's right. <laughs> Words fall short. 
You see, our relationship with God should be to the point where we are not ashamed to move when he asks us to move. Our relationship with God should be so tight and full of his love that we move like he moves, that we see as he sees, without caring what anybody else thinks, without caring about what the world thinks, because what God does and what God sees as valuable and his values are way different than the values of this world. You remember the, 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 the harvesters were supposed to leave food behind for those who were unfortunate? The world says, ah, let them pick themselves up by their own bootstraps. God only helps those who help themselves, right? Wrong. That's not in the Bible. It is our responsibility to live and love as he does, to move to his groove to the point that we actually look like him. Now, our Christianity is a one-on-one -on -one thing. We accept Christ. That's our personal responsibility. But we do not live it out by ourselves. If you're one of those guys that says, I don't come to church on Sunday morning because I worship him in the tree stand while I'm hunting deer. Well, okay. You spend a little bit of quality time in nature, God's creation. But Christianity, the dance, cannot be done by yourself. When an entire room, when an entire dance floor has everybody dancing together, filled with God's love, without worrying about the world, what the world says, moving to God's movements and his love and his grace, together, that is the church. You cannot grow as a Christian without dancing with somebody else. The one-on-one -on -one faith is a lie, as much a lie as God only helps those who help themselves. We are meant to do this in community. So friends, I don't know where you're at in grief, and maybe this is not applic applicable to you right now. Whether you are stuck in this chair and you refuse to move because you would rather stay in your grief, in your memories, you're too scared or too hurt to move. Or you're, you're dancing the slow dance of grief, allowing the Holy Spirit to heal you. Or you're moving forward as the pace quickens, as the song changes, and you're moving forward. Or if you are at the end, and very few of us are there at the dance, dancing without worry, without inhibition. I encourage you to keep on dancing. Do not stop. Keep on the goal of living a life that reflects God's love and grace so that when people do see you dance, and you don't care what they think, but when they do see you dance, they will only see God's love and grace in everything that you do. They will see him and how far he has brought you in your grief. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, you are the creator of the dance. <laughs> if I may use something so crazy, you are the Lord of the dance. Lord God, I pray that you help us to move to your rhythm, to hear what you have for us. Lord, help us to move, to be like you. We ask this in your name.